0: Don't, don't talk. you will never be the same.: And for the full catastrophe, he didn't mean it was all bad.'t oh, play with: me. I invite you to the dance, to the dance with the Lord of the dance God didn't call America to do what she's doing in the world now. So today, I want to start by telling you a story. Now this might not be a story you're familiar with, but for many people who grew up in Christian communities in the United States like me, this is a story we've heard very often or even experienced ourselves. So there was a pastor of a middle-class congregation full of well-dressed and wealthy families. He had many different families in his congregation, and he knew all of them well, or so he thought. There was one family, though, who he saw every week without fail. They would show up in their best clothes, dressed perfectly for church every week in their finery. Mother, father, all three of their children would show up on Sunday morning in clothes that looked almost brand new, perfectly put together, looking amazing. They were dedicated, caring, and active participants in worship, always smiling, always so perfectly well-behaved. They looked sharp and exactly like one might imagine a church member from an upper-middle-class neighborhood, to look. But one day, the pastor received a call from the mother of this one family. She apologized to the pastor, telling him they wouldn't be able to make it to church that week. Knowing how dedicated they were as members of the church, the pastor was understandably concerned. And he asked why. The mother was evasive. She didn't really want to answer, but the pastor pushed and insisted a little bit. And to his surprise, she started crying. Pastor, she said, we can't afford our church clothes this week. Now the pastor was totally confused by this, of course. And he asked what she meant. And over the next 30 minutes or so, it all came pouring out of this woman. You see, it turns out their family was really, really poor. And they needed every penny they could find just to make it through the week, just to survive. But they knew in their heart of hearts that they had to go to church. And they knew that to be welcomed at church, they had to look like church people. Clean, well-dressed, carefully put together, and in no way looking like they might be poor. So every week on Saturday morning, they would take their weekly paycheck and they would go right to the nearest pawn shop. And there, they would spend their last few dollars on some nice-looking church clothes for Sunday morning, wear them to church the next day, and then sell them back to the pawn shop on Monday so they'd have money to eat for the rest of the week. Because they needed to go to church, and they couldn't imagine going to church if they couldn't be perfect, well-dressed and prepared, just like everyone else in the community, if they couldn't be perfect, then they felt they couldn't show up at all. Now, haven't we all felt like this in one way or another when it comes to church? I mean, okay, this may be an extreme example of a story, but the feeling behind it the idea that when we come to church when we do the work of church we have to be perfect i know this idea is something we all have nesting in the back of our hearts and minds i know i feel it i feel it and i'm sure you feel it too pastors We get this as bad as anyone, to be honest. I mean, I had a mild panic attack this week when I realized I was going to have to bring my robe in on my motorcycle back there and it was going to get wrinkled from the trip. Oh, it's scary. But we have this desire to present things perfectly when it comes to church. This desire can be so overwhelming sometimes that it stops us from doing anything at all. Because we want to be perfect. And because we want to be perfect, we often hesitate to show the fullness of who we are and what we can do because what we have ready now isn't as good as it could be later. We often fail to start Because we're all too aware that what we're prepared to do doesn't measure up to what we think the church should be in our heads and in our hearts. What we see in our mind's eye, a a perfect image of the church, we see that and decide in that moment that because we can't rise to that level now, we shouldn't try at all. But the level of perfection that we see in our imaginations it usually doesn't have anything to do with the number of loaves of bread shared with the hungry or the number of homeless poor brought into our house. It rarely has anything to do with the oppressed going free, and it certainly doesn't have anything to do with bonds of injustice being let loose because, come on, that usually comes with scary conflict and confrontation. No, that, that perfect idea in our heads, it's usually an idea of appearances. We don't have people over to our house because the house isn't clean enough. We don't feed one person because we can't feed everybody. We're resistant to change because whatever new thing we could try won't be perfect right away. So we delay. We wait to do the work of God until we're ready But at the same time, we look on in amazement when we read about some ramshackle church in a distant corner of the world that's growing by leaps and bounds with nothing more than a a small hut, dirt floors and a piece of hastily scribbled on plastic just bolted to the outside of the building serving as the only sign that God's people are gathered within. Where our treasure is There also will be our hearts. What is it that we as a church have come to treasure? Is it our time together in worship and study and in prayer? Is it when we come with heads bowed down, sackcloth and ashes, quiet and humble but invisible to the world around us? Is that the fast that God has chosen? Or perhaps the fast that God has chosen for us is one of imperfection, a fast of our own desires to do things the right way, a fast of our own desires to do everything at once. Perhaps the fast that God has chosen for us is not to sit in silence because we lack the time, resources, or ability to be boldly seen by others on the street corners, praying perfectly in public performance for all the world to see. But maybe it's to do the small thing instead. Maybe the fast that God has chosen for all of us smaller, determined communities of God is to embrace the next half-hearted, imperfect thing that we might do. And to grasp with joy the calling to do that thing imperfectly. Because what God asks most of us is not perfection, but intention. So long as we are doing something, no matter how small, broken, or imperfect, there is always room for growth and change. But when we stand still we become stagnant, unchanging, or even dead. As churches around the world are recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic, we're finding it harder to grow in the ways we used to, harder to be communities of the size and type and structure that we had been in days gone by. We have this image in our heads of the well-dressed church of the days we remember, when community was easier, when resources were more plentiful, and it felt like the Holy Spirit lived among us in everything we did. So when we look to the future, we imagine that this is who we are, that this is who we were meant to be, and we find ourselves turning away From all the broken and weird and different and above all imperfect things that we could try today because whatever else they might be, they're not that. So we find ourselves stuck, locked in a cycle, spending paycheck after paycheck on church clothes for Sunday morning, selling them back on Monday and praying that we somehow make it through another week. So we can start over again. But when we choose the fast that God has prepared, when we lean into the service of a God who has no interest in sounding the trumpet before us like the hypocrites in the synagogues, when we allow ourselves to be broken and imperfect but still trying anyway, Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. I remain incredibly thankful to to all of you, and and to Pastor Tabuchi as well, for the the partnership we are sharing in trying to nurture God's work in and through this place. Over the coming months, I I hope to be able to invite all of us to come together in doing more imperfectly. I hope for us to to come together to clean rooms and catalog books, (laughs) to share meals and to share memories, to teach, to grow, and to learn together. <sighs> you know, and I hope that in the end, we can all realize together that there is no end. Not to the work that God has put before us. I hope we can all come together with joy in the realization that each imperfect step forward, each halting attempt to do good works, each each cracked window, each dirty rug, each broken tool, teaching us that what God requires of us isn't that we present the world with some perfect and attractive place for people to come and find God, but that we simply offer ourselves to the world in God's name, just as we are in love and with grace and mercy abounding. And I look forward to taking this journey together.